All right, and welcome to Psychology and Stuff, the podcast of the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. I'm Ryan Martin, chair of the psychology program uh, and host of Psychology and Stuff. Um, today we are going to talk about thanatology, and if you're wondering what that is, we have an expert here, Dr. Eileen Cupid, professor of human development and, uh, and psychology here at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. Hello, Eileen. Hi, how you doing? Good. So um, I'm doing well. Uh, I want to introduce the rest of our guests because we have a bunch of your research assistants here with us. And then once I do that, we're going to quickly turn to a discussion of thanatology. Um, so first of all, am I pronouncing that right? Thanatology? Yes, you are. OK, good. Um, all right. So um, first, we have with us one of your research assistants, Danny DiCarlo. Hello. Um, we also have with us uh, another one of your RAs, Lisa Barnaby. Hello. <laughs> and finally, <laughs> last but not least, we have Michelle McChesney. Hi, everyone. All right. So um, let's start with a question I, I, I think on everyone's minds, which is what is thanatology? Thanatology is a fancy word for the study of death, dying, and loss. Um, and we like to talk about it as actually it's the study of life with death left in. And it's named after the Greek god Thanatos, who was the god of death. So it's the study of death and dying. Okay. And now you teach a course here on death, dying, and loss. I do. Right? I do. I've been right. teaching it for since 1984. Um, it's first started out as an experimental class, and uh, the chair of the department at the time thought that nobody would take it. Um, it um, is a pretty popular class. Uh, students are dying to get in. <laughs> nice. Um, so I'm curious. Um, I'm curious if you could start out with, I mean, this is an incredibly broad area, right? I mean, there's when yes. we think about death, dying, yes. and loss. So tell us about your research and what are some of the things you've been looking at. Well, I have two areas right now that I've okay. been really interested in. One is on college student bereavement. And um, I always say that research is me-search. And um, so I was, my first semester in graduate school, my best friend um, died in a car accident. Mm -hmm. And it's, I guess it's probably what started me on the trajectory of getting interested in the field of death and dying. Um, and so I, we just recently surveyed the entire campus again um, to find out about um, college student bereavement experiences here on the UWGB campus. We had done that survey once before in 2007, and the results are going to get published real soon. I, I'm laughing um, as we talk about this, because Eileen and I have been working on this right. project together, actually, since... Uh, since 2007. Actually, yes, <laughs> since, since I was brand new at UWGB. So. Yes, and so now we did a revised one, and um, my research assistants are busy entering the data from over 900 hits on um, the survey. Um, and then the other area of interest um, that uh, started a couple of years ago is about social media and death. Mm -hmm. And we were just meeting in my office because we're going to be doing a Facebook study um, so if you check your Facebook, you might see a request. We're really interested in the photos that people post that have to do with commemorating the death of a loved one. Mm -hmm. And so we ask all kinds of questions and ask people to um, tell us about the photos that they have been posting. Mm. All right. So I've got a question for your research assistants. I'm curious for you all how and why you decided to get involved with Dr. Cupid's research. What, what, uh, what drew you to this? How did you get interested in it? 
Well, uh, for me, when I was in high school, um, I actually experienced some losses of my own. Um, my aunt died when mm -hmm. I was a sophomore in high school. Um, and when I came to the university, you know, I was initially, you know, I was very interested in psychology, very interested in human development. Mm -hmm. um, and I got involved with Dr. Cupid through Camp Lloyd, a bereavement camp on campus um, for human development interns. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what kind of led me to this research, and I've been enjoying it very much. That's great. Um, I'm actually in Dr. Cupid's Death, Dying, and Loss class right now, and um, for her class we have to choose a project. Um, so I, and one of the project topics was you could like look at death and social media. Um, so I was interested in that, and I was emailing her and like, is this okay to do a project? And then she was like, well, actually, um, I'm actually doing a study on that right now. So um, then I joined her research team, and I'm excited to be working with them. Great. All right. And I... Um, now, that course is a course you teach every semester, right? Yes. Yes. And yes. sometimes in the summer or no? Yes, sometimes right. in the summer as well. Um, at least two sections in the spring, sometimes one in the fall, right. and then many times during the summer. Right. So just ultimately a wildly, wildly popular class. It is. Students so. are really into death. We have a lot of fun <laughs> in death. There's a lot of humor that right. I use. There's a lot of funny things mm -hmm. about death. I mean, a lot, some of it is obviously very sobering and very sad. Mm -hmm. Um, can't deny that, but um, we have a lot of fun in class too, and um, it's um, very interesting. I mean, mm -hmm. it's it gets you on a personal level, but also on an intellectual level as well. Mm -hmm. I want to. So one of the uh, one of the fun things about this podcast for me is I get to talk to people I don't normally talk to about their work and what they're doing in their classes and things like that. And so I'm familiar with a lot of students who have taken that class who you do a field trip, which I think, is that coming up this semester? Yes, or? it's coming up next week, actually. All right. Can you tell people a little bit about the field trip? We go to a funeral home, and um, we get to meet the funeral directors, and they really give us a good rundown about what they do in the mm -hmm. funeral business from um, getting the body, preparing the body, uh, consulting with the families in terms of the funerals. Mm -hmm. We get to look at caskets. Um, the funeral home that we go to has a crematorium, so we go mm -hmm. into the crematorium room, not into the, they call it a retort. There's mm -hmm. lots of euphemisms in, in this field, so they call it the, the retort. We get to see the retort, we don't go inside the retort. I have to ask, <laughs> what, is, what is a retort? A retort is where they actually cremate the body. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So they have a, a, a room um, that's set aside just for that, and sometimes it's a little warm in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I bet. All right. Um, uh, so They're not making pizza. I'm right. not talking about <laughs> So I, I want to, uh, I, I do, so I'm, I'm going to come back to the grief camp stuff at, later because I do want to talk about Camp Lloyd, which I, I think is just a really incredible uh, incredible, incredible thing, and so I want to come back to that. I want to talk to you about a little bit about your research, though, because you, um, we're gonna, I want to start with the uh, college student bereavement stuff. Can you give me a sense, or give everyone a sense of what some of the big findings are? What are some of the things you found in your research that have kind of shaped your thinking about college student bereavement and things like that? Well, in the initial study, one of the first things that we wanted to know was what is the incidence mm -hmm. of college student bereavement? So the main question that we asked was, Within the past 24 months, have you suffered the death of a loved one? Mm -hmm. 
And what was really shocking is we found that almost half of the UWGB campus had experienced at least one significant mm -hmm. loss. And then um, there's been um, other research that has been done on college student bereavement, but a lot of it has just been focusing in on the symptomology. What we were really interested in studying is how does it affect their college student experience? And so what we found was in that initial study is that students had trouble concentrating. They had to uh, cut classes because they were expected to be home. Mm -hmm. um, we asked them how um, it, they, uh, it affected them socially, and we found that a number of students socially withdrew. Mm -hmm. um, their friends didn't really want to interact with them too much. Um, we found that over time, things settled down, but we also found that priorities with college changed. Mm -hmm. um, for some students, college became much more important because mm -hmm. all of a sudden, they really wanted to honor the memory of their loved one by doing really well. And for some students, um, they felt unsupported in school and um, their motivation to do well in school actually declined. One of the things that came out of this research is now that I have data, I was able to get UWGB Faculty Senate to pass a student bereavement policy. So now any student on our campus who is um, bereft is the term that we used, can go to the dean of students and get a week worth of excuse mm -hmm. um, from exams, paper extensions, come going to class, and there's with no penalty. And I'm very proud to say that we are one of a handful of campuses in the country that have that student bereavement policy. And it has served as a model for other campuses as well. Uh, one of the things that I do know is that it has been used pretty extensively. Too, so well, that's a good sort of question for other universities you, you mentioned it's it's been used as a model what would you uh, advise other universities to embrace I mean what does our grief policy look like and what what should other universities be doing I think that other universities have to recognize that um, when students are grieving <coughs> that they're that if they don't receive support at their institution, that some of them might actually drop out. Mm -hmm. it, it's a question of retention. It's a question of academic success. It's, um, you know, we uh, campuses, you know, it's, it's a bizarre environment with regard to providing social support for grief in the sense that the semester goes on, nothing stops, and at a college campus, you know, it's you, you're, you're dealing with an age demographic where death really theoretically is not on the radar. Mm -hmm. And with a student bereavement policy, there's an acknowledgement that we do support you, that faculty have to pay attention to this, that they have to recognize that um, students need a little bit of time mm -hmm. to kind of reconcile this grief with the, the semester marching on. So right. it's, it's really important. Let's talk a little bit about the social media study. And now I, su I suspect you maybe can't say too much because you're collecting data right now. Is that true? Um, we're just about to submit a revised protocol. Um, okay. Like this afternoon. Okay. <laughs> Good. Good. Um, can, you, can you give us some hints about what sorts of things you're looking for or what, what you're interested in with regard to that study? Um, do any of my research assistants want to mention this? 
Danny, you're um, on. <laughs> all right. Um, so a lot of research on social media and death in the past has focused on Facebook memorial pages. Mm -hmm. So when someone dies, um, there's an option to make that person's Facebook page a memorial page. <laughs> People can then go on their page and comment on their page or post photos or post RIP, I miss you. Um, so that's been a way for people to kind of go through the grieving process, um, especially um, younger people who are involved with social media. That's kind of a big thing for them. Um, but not a lot of research has focused on photos. Um, so what we've been seeing is that people have posted photos of their loved one that they lost or um, maybe photos of something that reminds them of their loved one to commemorate them. And um, not a lot of research has focused on the reasons behind posting those photos. Mm -hmm. So we're interested in a unique aspect of social media and death where we're interested in the reasonings behind posting those photos. So why did they post that photo on that particular day? Um, what kinds of comments were they hoping to receive by posting those photos? Mm -hmm. Kind of things like that. Right. Now I have a, a, a woman I went to high school with who's fiance passed away and this, this actually happened several years ago I don't um, I don't remember exactly when but that's been one of the things and I'd only met her fiance probably twice and but I she the way she used Facebook after uh, after he passed away was that she would oftentimes post pictures and just with a message that was really to him I mean mm -hmm. and so something along the lines of I'm remembering the day we did this and you mm -hmm. said this or whatever and, and um, it was really it was really interesting as someone seeing that because I started to feel like I got to know him in ways that I never had before. And so, it, as you're talking about this, my my I'm starting to sort of think about sort of what the what I got from that, but also what mm -hmm. she must have gotten from that. And mm -hmm. she's not someone I, I ever knew well enough that I felt like I could really talk with her about some of these things or ask questions. But um, but it's always there. I mean, I, I am. I, I've always appreciated that she did that because, or that she's done that, and she continues to, even though it's been several years, and she continues to every now and then just post a little picture of, of him or something they did together. And, so. and it's not unusual for people to do that and to write a message to their loved ones. So somehow, mm -hmm. on social media, we are talking to the mm -hmm. dead. Yep. And um, so many times it is right. a direct message to the dead. Do you remember when we did so-and-so right. and there's a picture? Um, mm -hmm. So we're asking that. We have a survey mm -hmm. um, that we are um, asking people to respond to some questions. And one of the things that we just added in our survey is are people using the new reaction emoticons right. um, for their photos? Mm -hmm. So we just added that in this morning. <coughs> right. um, so we're gonna, we really want to see, we asked what kind of reactions were you hoping to get? What did you actually get? Mm -hmm. And what were your feelings about the reactions right. you actually got from the photos? So we're curious about that. You know, I actually, so we, I had a student who passed away about two years ago now, and I still find myself going, every now and then, going to her Twitter feed, 
for no reason other than, and I don't even really necessarily know what I'm looking for when I go there, but just wanting to see if it's still up, just wanting to see if anybody has written to her or things like that. And so every couple months, I'll just like go over there and take a look, and it's still up. And part of it is you do feel a connection to, mm-hmm. because you can see the last thing they said, mm-hmm. you know, or the last the last comment they made, or the last thing that was said about them from from a friend or something like that. Mm-hmm. So there is a there is a way of connecting with them there that. Mm-hmm. Um, There is a theory about grief that we talk about in my class called continuing bonds theory, Mm -hmm. um, which has become really um, important in our understanding about grief and loss because prior to that, there was a lot of emphasis that you had to accept the death and you had to break off and you had to move on and get closure. And now we find, um, one of my favorite quotes is from a leading thanatologist named Bob Niemeyer who says that closure is for bank accounts, not love (laughs) accounts. So, he is he in Memphis? No, Florida. Yeah, he's Memphis? in Memphis. That's what yeah. Okay. Does he have a brother? Yes, he Florida, does. In Florida. Yes, okay. he does. So he well, he worked with um, uh, actually a, a former professor of mine who passed away, Bill Lydon. They worked together and wrote together on some things. So I've never met him, but I'm familiar with some of his work. Um, I want to talk about Camp Lloyd. Okay. Uh, so tell people what Camp Lloyd is. Danny mentioned it earlier, but um, could you tell people kind of what it is and the type of work you do? Camp Lloyd is a camp for grieving children who are between roughly between 7 and 14 years of age. Mm-hmm. Um, it is for one week um, um, in, at the end of June here at the UWGB campus. Um, it's a day camp, and over the entire spring semester, we train students who become the big buddies to these kids. They get one to two kids and um, become their special person. And basically the whole function of the camp is to to let these kids know that they're not alone, that there are other kids who um, have lost a loved one. Most of our kids have lost either a parent or a sibling, but it could be somebody else as well. But they realize that they're not the only person in the whole wide world that suffered this loss. And we also work really hard to teach these kids that, yes, we know you're grieving, but it's okay to be a child and you can have fun and we do all kinds of great camp stuff. We go swimming, we go kayaking, we go to Bay Beach. Um, we do a lot of crafts work. Um, and we teach the kids a lot of coping skills, um, that more positive coping in terms of their grief reaction. So it's an awesome, wonderful experience. And we're going into our 11th season this summer. My first ever meeting with you at UWGB was when you told us uh, that you were going to start Camp Lloyd. I was at a retreat at your house. And so now here we are 11 years later and and we've got a camp that's been running for 11 years, which is incredible. It is incredible and it's a good thing I didn't know what I was getting. (laughs) 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 I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. (laughs) What, um, have you all been buddies or I know you've, uh, what? I have not. Okay. No, I have not. Not yet. So, Talk a little bit about what you've gotten from the camp or how, how the experience has been for you. <clears throat> um, so this is my third year being involved with Camp Lloyd. Um, and my first year, I was a buddy. My second year, I was a head buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came back this year also as a head buddy um, to volunteer and um, help train my, the other co, uh, my other co-head buddy, Natalia. Um, you guys probably all know her. Um, so... Yeah, so um, I've benefited from each of the years being involved with Camp Lloyd. I've really gotten a lot of it, um, both as a buddy and a head buddy. Um, obviously, as a head buddy, I got to work one-on-one with the kids, so that was 
with my own kids, so that was really fun. Um, but as a head buddy, I really got to know all of the students and serve as a mentor for them and um, kind of answer questions that they have, help with training, help with planning with camp. Um, so that's been a different experience um, in contrast to being a buddy. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of that is my role. She does a great job, too. She's been doing a wonderful job. That is good, and I knew that you do a good job as well. And in fact, I should mention this, you won an award for your work with Camp Lloyd just last year, right? The Founders Award? For yes, I did for um, institutional development. So yeah, that was quite an honor. Awesome. And one of the people who was there when I received the award, because it was a total surprise to me, was Sue Johnson, whose son has been coming to Camp Lloyd. Oh, really? So um, it was really very right. meaningful to have her there. That is very nice. Um, so I want to, we're going to turn to a, uh, it's a weird segue into a game, but we're at that point <laughs> in our, we're at that point in our. We're not so playing we're, death. We're not yeah. playing Russian roulette. No. <laughs> nope. Uh, <laughs> we're not. Um, but it is that time of the podcast when we turn to five questions where I draw questions from a hat and ask them of you. So, okay. Are you ready? ready? Your answers can be about death or not. It's okay. Just don't call. ask me how old I am. That's okay. all. I happen, to, <laughs> I happen to know the answer to that question. Um, <laughs> so uh, what aspect of your job do you enjoy the most? Working with my students. <laughs> My wonderful students. There was not a split-second hesitation there, so we know she's telling the truth. So, And I would agree with you. All right, what book did you last read? Um, the last book that I read was um, Let the Great World Spin, which was actually recommended to me by Regan Gorong. Really? And it was a really, really good book. What's it about? So, um, it's, it, it's a very, very bizarre book. It, it um, really focuses, it, it uses as a connecting thread this um, tightrope walker actually strung a tightrope across the two towers, twin oh. towers of the World Trade Center in the 1970s and marched across. And then that becomes the unifying theme that weaves all these different stories together of different people growing up who are in New York City. Hmm. And, um, Which is where you're from. Which is where I'm from, right. and it focuses in in the Bronx, which is where I'm from. So okay. that's why uh, Dr. Grung recommended cool. it to me. So it was good. And now I'm reading Endurance, uh -huh. which is about Shackleton's journey yeah. to Antarctica. Huh. No, I think so. They just made a movie about the guy who did the World Trade Center. Um, oh, the, did they? It's, it's. I don't think it did terribly well, but I think it's called The Walk. Yeah. And it has oh. It's called The Walk. What's the guy's name who's in it? Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yes. I knew he was a three-namer, and I can never remember. <laughs> Did you three. see it? I was going to yeah. go with Jennifer Love Hewitt was my I best like guess. As a, that was another three-namer. <laughs> so, Thomas Close. Hayden Church. Yeah. It's not DiCaprio, is it? No. no. Was it? So was it good? Did you I see thought it, it was good. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, the book was really good. Oh, so it, it takes place in the Bronx with all those crazy scenes mm. and stuff with well, it? I think he, the story's about that guy, and it's about his journey. and. and oh, okay, so yeah, it's, it's in there, that that's oh. in the book too. Okay. You have all these other weird characters. So oh, it's okay. good. What's your favorite place to eat? These days, I love Kavana. Yeah, but there's, you know, Green Bay for a small city is a big foodie town. So I love little Tokyo also. Okay. Big sushi eater. Okay. So. Cool. I don't know how many I've done. Three? Three? All right. Uh, what did you want to be when you were growing up? Concert pianist. All right. 
Because you're pretty musical, right? Your whole, your family is. And my son. family's pretty well. The real talent is my son, who's the director of jazz studies at Boise State. So right. I'm the fake talent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And the last question: Do you have a favorite newspaper or blog or anything? Favorite newspaper is the New York Times, and I get the Sunday Times. And my dream of a perfect Sunday morning is to have bagels, lox, and cream cheese and read through the New York Times. Typical New Yorker, nice. Sunday morning. All right. Where do you go for bagels? Um, well, my I, my daughter brings them in from Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You no. can't get a good bagel in this town. I'm no, sorry. No, you're right. It's when you said we were a foodie town. Like there are a few holes in what we offer. And, we made and, a good Jewish deli. Yeah. I was just in Chicago this weekend, and oh my God, I went to this place um, that was amazing, amazing. Mm -hmm. So it was the real deal. No. So even in Chicago, so uh, yeah. All right. So we need that here. So um, I want to take a couple minutes to thank our guests. Thank you all for coming. Do any of you have anything you want to plug or tell people about, stuff that's going on? Well, for any non-traditional students out there, there's an organization, NTSO, that's going to be up and running in the next few weeks. So look for that out on campus. And are you, Lisa, are you, yes. the, you're the president of that, or I don't know what the title well, is. Well, president is a fancy word for <laughs> getting up and going. <laughs> for the, for the so. Awesome. The one who's that, doing all the work. Well, yes, yes. There we go. yes. <laughs> that, is, that is great. Either Michelle or Danny, do you have anything you want to tell people before we sign off? Danny has some exciting news that happened that you just learned oh, of. This, yeah. Really? <laughs> oh, um, uh -oh. I was actually just accepted into UW Green Bay's uh, MSW program. Yay! Yay! That is very cool. Good work. All right. Michelle? And I can't really follow that up. That's pretty <laughs> exciting. So. All right. Feel well, free to look for our post on Facebook. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. So. Send your pictures in. We want to see them. All right. And so I had a. I wanted to check with you quick, Eileen, about. So if 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 someone's listening out there and they think that Camp Lloyd sounds great, how do they get involved? How can they? If you want to become a big buddy, um, the application deadline for the 2017 wow. uh, summer session will be October 31st, around okay. Halloween. So make sure you get it in there. We have to accept people really early because we have to set up the training sessions okay. and you can get internship credit for this. Um, if you have a child that you think could benefit from Camp Lloyd, the, the website is www.uwgb.edu and then there's a slash and it's Camp Lloyd, C-A-M-P-L-L-O-Y-D, it's all one word, and there is a registration form right on the camp link. Okay. Very good. Well, thank you all so very much for being here today, and thank you, Eileen, for uh, for chatting with us. Got a couple quick announcements. So next week um, is going to be spring break, and so we don't have an episode. Um, but following that, we have got a very, very, very special live episode that we're going to be airing on March 24th, where we have uh, watched the Stanford Prison Study movie with a room full of students, and uh, and we're going to be doing a, an episode with a live audience where we talk through the movie, and we've got just kind of an all-star team coming to talk about that. So l wait for that on March 24th. Um, I want to thank Kate Farley, our producer, and Kimberly Vlees Kimberly for our fabulous podcast art, and I want to thank all of you, our listeners, for joining us today once again. So thank you.